Hello, listeners. I'm Ray Carter. And I'm Olivia Franklin. And thanks for tuning in to Normal Conversations. With this podcast, we wanted to offer a space for free-flowing conversation about all things to do with the normal festival of the brain and its themes for this year. Those themes are growing versus knowing, power and touch. Around every other week, you can listen to a conversation, usually between two people, that's related to the festival's themes by their own stories, experiences, enlightenments, dreams, knowledge, as well as everything else. For this episode, we have a conversation between Susanna, the Artistic Director of Living Words and co-creator of the Normal Festival, and her sister Liz. The family has been through a tough year, like so many of us. Liz's nine-year-old son Sam has a brain tumour and had to have emergency life-saving surgery. In this relaxed and free-flowing chat, you can listen to the sisters pause for a minute, reflect and take stock of the months of having to learn and grow in the unknown. Hello. 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 I'll stop my now. So I've got it recording. Okay. Well, you it after then. Yeah. But probably just take a little sort of chunk out or we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, this is this normal conversations thing podcast and it's all you know about the brain and neurodiversity and also you know the the themes this year are knowing versus growing power and touch and um anyway where should we start do you think i don't know I'm waiting for you to ask. I thought it was in for you. I was waiting for you to ask the question. Stop moving around. I can hear you wiggling around. I'm not wiggling. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so how's, how's Sam today? Sam's um, okay. He had a headache earlier. And um, he's got a, a hot towel, a cold towel. We call the hot towel for some reason, but it's because he's got a hot, well, he's got a hot head. He has a cold towel. And he puts that on his head. What sort of headache is it? Sorry? Sorry, I interrupted you there. What did you say? What what sort of headache is it? Like a, the, the sort of headache he keeps getting? Or? Um, it's, it's really hard to know. It's like they took such a big chunk out of his brain and with the hydrocephalus and the, all the rest of it. And now he's got a shunt. Mm. But actually, the, the, his brain was so squashed presumably for a number of years so actually all this time he's in recovery i'm assuming that it's moving so uh, yeah i've no, absolutely no idea mm. but he's got his he's got his um, mri tomorrow so we'll find out how are you feeling about we'll find that out. we'll find out what it looks like yeah well it's a bit nerve-wracking isn't it because you know, we're very hopeful that it'll just be, it's fine and we'll monitor. But, you know, it did grow in the first place. So you worry, obviously, that it's going to grow again. Yeah. And mm. how long has he got to be in the MRI for tomorrow? We don't know. But the ones in uh, the ones in Southampton, one was like two hours and one was an hour and a half. So, uh, you know, near, nearing two hours. 
so hopefully it's not going to be as long as that. He's a bit, he's a bit nervous about it. Okay. But the, um, children, the children's ward have given us some of the magic cream. Um, so we're going to put that on his hands an hour before. Um, and then he's only got, we'll get to the hospital and we'll only have 45 minutes before his appointment. So the doctor, a doctor from the children's ward is going to come to the waiting room and put the cannula in. Yeah. Um, just so that it's because originally we were told to go to children's ward, but that just seems a bit of a extra faff of waiting around that we don't need. So we're trying to do it all very um, mm. quickly so that he doesn't have to do any waiting. And the magic creams, the stuff with the valerian, oh. um, it, it numbs the. Um, you put it over a um, on the back of his hand, over a, a vein, and it numbs the the area. Now, why did I think it was valerian stuff? Was he giving? No, it's not. What's the? It's valerian? not a sedative. Mm. Valerian's nighttime milk. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the nighttime milk. <laughs> that sounds really nice. Uh, no, it was just um, yeah. It, uh, no, there's no no sedation, no sedation for the um, MRIs um, for children in Jersey. So, and he's um, always been, you know, such a strong-willed child, but also sensitive and sort of aware of what other what's going on with other people. And I, I mean, it's just impossible to sort of believe that he had. A tumor the size that it was all that time yeah yeah it's um well it's quite shocking really isn't it um all that time and i remember i do remember actually when he was about because there was a time where he really couldn't ride a bike but, but before that when he just started at school he used to ride his bike with stabilizers mm. so I, I i have a feeling that it was after that that it started because you know, even, you know, more recently we've tried, you know, before the summer, before before it was detected, we've tried and, and, and Kieran's made him lots of different contraptions. He's put like a trolley on the back of a bike that sort of acts as stabilisers and put the stabilisers yeah. back on. He just couldn't, he couldn't stay upright. So I'm assuming that there was a change point there when he was about, six, I mean, started having headaches when he was about seven, but maybe... Yeah. You know, maybe when he was a bit started growing when he was about six, which kind of would make sense with the bite stuff. Um, yeah, and of course the the we can't go into that obviously in this conversation, but the doctors thought that he was dyspraxic because of all the motor stuff. Yeah, said so he's a little bit dyspraxic, but actually he had ataxia. Um, but yeah, huge, huge. I mean, it was huge that. Uh, I know I yeah and even when obviously with the you know with the job that I do and being colleagues and friends with neurosurgeons neuro uh, neuroscientists and neuropsychopharmacologists you know they they can't believe it that that so big and was undiagnosed they're just they're shocked you know yeah but is it, I think really the, the, the difficult thing is that because his symptoms weren't continuous. Mm. It's I unbelievable. It, it's just unbelievable. How, yeah. uh, and, you know, how, how was it impacting him? I just think was his brain, you know, the, the circuits that his brain, the journey that he, the new, you know, the journey from one side of the brain to the other was just, 
you know, in, incredible, you know, circuit. Well, he was, always tired. he was always more tired. I mean, he's always wanted to have a little nap. Yeah. He's not so much now. He's always wanted to have a little nap in the afternoon. He's, and his best friend, um, Alfie, um, always made a joke that Sam would always be the first one asleep. Like they'd start watching something and then, you know, on a sleepover or whatever. And then, and then Sam would be asleep. So it's, you know, all of those maybe were indications that you just, you know, or indications that his brain was sort of working differently. And maybe he was absolutely exhausted by the end of a day because it was trying to find routes and pathways that, yeah. you know, otherwise were otherwise blocked i don't know it's um yeah it's quite extraordinary i mean also because he was taking the migraine medication which um enlarges the ventricles in the brain i think so maybe that um sort of disguised the problem i don't know maybe that that was a sort of disguise to what was really going on uh, because it sort of offered a temporary relief until yeah. it got too bad that it couldn't do that I'm finding it tricky because I don't want to go, you know, in, in work mode and everything. I can just so easily go into sort of interviewer or, or, you know, uh, or, you know, with living words mode. And I'm just sort of wanting to be able to have this conversation with you as your sister. And I keep thinking of things that oh, I'll ask that. And it's like, no, I just want to, you know, it's, I suppose for, for us as, you know, sisters and for all of us, I'll never forget that moment when we, you know, when you, you called me from the hospital and we'd been spoken the night before, hadn't we? And we'd been like, just take him to A&E and the guy, the hospital, you know, the expert, migraine expert had been like, no, he's got his appointment next Thursday. Don't take him in. And then when I called and Kieran said he's taken, that you'd taken uh, Sam up to the hospital. Yeah, we couldn't, well, we couldn't wait any longer. I mean, yeah. he had an appointment. This was on, this was on the, uh, on that we got back uh, from France on the Friday, and yeah. we both knew there was something wrong with him. And I said, I said, well, let's let's see how the weekend goes. And on Sunday, I mean, on Sunday he couldn't even he couldn't actually feed himself, yeah. and he was um, staggering so much. We could have taken him to the to the hospital on the Friday, but you know what it's like. Uh, sorry, on Sunday, but it's like all of these places. Jersey Hospital is a general hospital, so so you don't have. Um, the sort of surgical staff available mm. on a Sunday, for example, you just have sort of general practitioners, which is fine for the most part. So I, I knew that actually it was better to wait until, and we went at eight o'clock in the morning on the Monday. It was better to go in on the Monday because we'd have direct access and it would be quicker rather than waiting for someone to be called off on call and, 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 and whatever. And the same, the result would have been the same um, really but it was just um it was just easier for us to do it like that and also we had to call the because we were supposed to be isolating because of covid we had to call the helpline to say i needed to go to a and e which obviously they at that time um in the summer because it was less um uh because the covid numbers were lower the the covid hotline wasn't open on a, a week on the weekends so i had to wait till monday to call them to say look we need to do this so they could call the hospital and the hospital had some room ready for us mm. and uh, but quite interestingly, we had to go the other so a couple of weeks ago. Sam was um, really unwell on a Friday evening, and we were worried that it was his shunt uh, was was uh, malfunctioning. So uh, uh, I took him to A and E, and it was the first time either of us had been to the hospital since um, since that day where we were there, and and then we stopped to Southampton by by um, helicopter. So we, um, as we were 
going towards the hospital, he sort of suddenly remembered and he said, oh, I remember coming up this road. And I said, oh, I know. But I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I took him and I took him, he was in his wheelchair because it was quicker to get him from the car to the hospital. But obviously on that day when I took him just to see, he was just staggering all over the place and I was sort of holding him up, walking to A&E, which is, you know, frightening yeah. really. Yeah. Um, I can yeah. remember you, um, you know, because obviously it wasn't that long since, you know, our nephew Ollie had been in intensive care with COVID and, you know, our mum and dad being, you know, elderly and with living with various issues and um, and you just calling me in the car because you'd been given, you had to just quickly go and get some stuff, didn't you? Well, I'd had, um, I, had to go and get his, I had to go and get Sam's passport and my That's passport. Right. I, didn't, I yeah. didn't have our passports because we needed yeah. ID to go in the... the um, uh, helicopter it was actually a, the coast card the RAF UK RAF coast card that took us so I had to I had to go back and, and um, Kieran was sort of at the house and I was sort of telling him to pack some things whatever but we ended up we were in such a state we didn't end up with anything but um, yeah I just had my handbag with our passports and my purse so that'll do a pair of knickers and a toothbrush yeah <laughs> and um, and then because because and also he Kieran was going to go home and bring the stuff and bring it back but then we suddenly realized we had two two cars at the at the um hospital so obviously I'd gone with Sam and then the doctors had said we need to speak to both of you so I had to get call Kieran and um and we had to bring our other son Zach to the hospital yeah so um yeah so we ended up with two cars there and in a bit of a panic so we yeah and then he drove me back and then Sam was strapped to a stretcher we just waited for the um, to hear that the um, helicopter was at Jersey Airport, and then we had to have an ambulance to the airport. And, and then, what was it he said about? What was it that he said? Because just before he he flew, and with and, and when he was speaking to the doctor, he kept saying funny things, didn't he? About and he said he was Iron Man. Uh, well, now, what did he say then? Uh, he said, "I'm medical man. That's I right. am medical man." <laughs> And I was pulling all these funny little faces and also to the doctor and the, the poor doctor who was um you know he was like a locum uh, doctor in in because uh, obviously in the summer holidays um it was was absolutely he was you know he was devastated to have to give us this terrible news I, you know you could so it's obviously not what a doctor wants to be doing giving someone awful news and then um, he said, "What should we do about Sam? Should we? Should we? Should, should does he need to know what's going on?" I said, and Kieran and I both said, "Yeah, absolutely. He's a you know he's a clever little boy. He needs to know what's happening." So we went in, and the doctor explained everything to him, and then said, "Is there is there anything you'd like to say, Sam? Or ask." And Sam had been watching this the film Death at a Funeral over the summer holidays, and there's a really um, interesting line in it where a man is trying to stop a vicar from getting past him. Um, so it's a very awkward moment so he says this line which Sam then repeats to the doctor which is does wine taste sweeter on Sundays and the, so we Kieran and myself and, and Zach knew what he meant and were sort of half laughing but the doctor was sort of a bit horrified and said I just think you should be drinking wine we said no he's not drinking wine <laughs> and, and, uh, and then obviously when he was in the hospital friends of mine down here in Folkestone know the actor and got in touch with him and he he, he recorded a message for Sam. Yeah, that was great. 
I've forgotten about that. But I just can really remember when you rang me in the car and just said, okay, you know, it is a, it is a tumour. We're going, you know, I'm going home to get the passports. We're flying out. Yeah. And I just said, yes, I'm going. Uh, and, you know, we knew that I had to go and tell mum because we couldn't risk or just didn't want them to get that news without any no. being there. It's not really, yeah. I didn't really want to send that one on a WhatsApp. No. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but then I remember, you know, when we, when, you know, that how all of us, you know, because there are four of us sisters and mum and dad and how we all. The, just, aunt, the army was mobilised. The army was mobilised. And we all just, everyone was in different parts of the country and, and suddenly we yeah, were in Southampton and it was, um, yeah, I think all of us, it was, it was, um, and cause he had the operation. So it happened so quickly. I mean, it's in a way it's good. You, you didn't pack your bags in Jersey cause at least it meant those 10 hours he was having that operation. We basically shopped till we dropped to try and keep our minds off it. I still don't know what I spent three hundred pounds on in Marks and Spencers. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. But thank, yeah, thankful to the man in Marks and Spencers who said to me, "Thank you, sir." It gave everyone a laugh. <laughs> yes, yes, that did give us all a laugh, actually. But um, yeah, it was all a bit of a crazy time, and then yeah. I mean, you know what? Seven I'm, weeks. Yeah, you know what I'm like. I sort of get a bit. Um, you know, I don't know, always thinking about these things, but the, the, you know, how, you know, he, how different is he going to be now? That's, you know, in terms of like who he was before when he's, he was who he was before when his brain was so crushed and then brain, brain being given space, you know, who, who's he going to be? Who's he going to be, be able to be now? It's, it's extraordinary. Do you, do you notice any, big difference yeah i think i think um yeah i think i can see that he's um i think we can both see that he's uh, cognitively much brighter than he used to be <clears throat> for sure for sure and um yeah he's he's i mean he was all, he's always been quite sharp but even more so um so there was definitely there was definitely an inhibiting factor you know without a doubt of that of that tumor really um yeah but he seems to be yeah, he seems to be um, very quick and um, wise. He's yeah. always been a bit more wise, but seems to be a bit more so now. He's always been wise. Yeah. Even I remember when he was a little baby and you first brought him over from Jersey and as he came in and me and mum, I was at mum and dad's, and me and mum, like, because you remember his eyes, and it was like, yeah. it was this tiny baby coming in, but we all felt like, just the way he looked at everything and everyone, it felt like it was someone who was like 200 years old coming in. Yes. You Little Yoda. Like when he was a baby. Little Yoda, yeah. Yeah, he sort of yeah. just... And, um, and I just think, I don't know, it's sort of hard to, you know, I don't want to get emotional, but like, you know, when talking to friends about him and just, and how he, like how he coped with, with, all that he's been through so far and those seven weeks in, in the hospital and, you know, five mm. very long operations and many times us not knowing what was going to happen and, and how you said that he, you know, the only time he cried the whole time was when he might not have been able to have a FaceTime with, with his friend Alfie, but he was, you know, how, he that was, was yeah. 
couldn't see that was i mean he wasn't he wasn't able to i mean he wasn't like able to cry at that point but it was well he was under heavy sedation he was in icu and we talked about should we play him this message and um and, and we weren't sure if we, we didn't want to offer too much stimulation because he was only under light sedation and he had a you know he's intubated and all the rest of it but the nurse said no 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 go ahead go ahead and we looked at him and he had a because we'd had this conversation this big tear rolling down his cheek where he obviously said do you want to listen to this message and he's like yeah, yeah you know but it was hideous but all of that stuff Susan all of that stuff is is it, you're so you know they tell you these things at the beginning of the operate you know before the operation like um they tell you that um you know you're gonna have hard days you're gonna it's gonna be this that and the other but what they don't tell you because you know it's probably just too much to take in on an emergency situation i suppose if it's a planned operation it's probably something different but what they don't tell you is that you know, your child's likely to be incontinent, your child's not going to be able to walk, they're going to have to use a wheelchair. You know, all these things, mm. as a parent, you know, in a shocked situ- you know, situation is absolutely horrific that suddenly you're seeing, you know, your child, and then he couldn't even, he couldn't even move. You know, even when he was out of um, ICU, he couldn't move himself. And that was just, you know, really hideous, the poor child. Because he, you know, he was trying to, um, and actually, we had a, a time where he was throwing his Yoda was the sort of only way he could communicate. It was really, really tough for him and for us, obviously. Yeah. And just how you and Kieran, like, I thought, I, I think it's incredible how you two have been throughout this. I know, you know, mm. it's been terrible, but how you have been for Sam has been incredible, I think, because like just you the fact i don't know if it's because of the job you do or what but how you straight away like he didn't have a moment where you he wasn't you weren't trying to communicate with him and just you knowing about how to you know get him to just you know hold your hand in certain ways to get him so he could so even when he couldn't see and he couldn't move he was able to make choices and i just it was just amazing yeah. to watching you and being able to, you know, to be with you two, watching you two do that. It was just amazing. Well, and it also gives you something to do. It's a very long day in the hospital. <laughs> Classic you being practical there. But it's true. It is, though. It's a really, really, really long day. It is a long day, yeah. And you need, you know, you need to stimulate one another. Otherwise, you're just going to yeah. sit there and turn into vegetables, aren't you? You can't have that. No, no, absolutely. And um nicest possible sense. Pardon? I said in the nicest possible sense. The nurses were very helpful. They gave me a laminator. That's right. Printed <laughs> stuff out for me. They were great. They were happy. They quite liked it with a proactive parent on the you know, in the I think. It was just so um, such a classic coward move, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um but how you you know, he was able to be then you know, making choices and you were able then through that being able to know his cognitive abilities at different points, even when he wasn't able to yeah. speak. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was very, yeah. And then I did feel before he had the shunt fitted, I did think that that was, you know, he was quite um, cognitively challenged at that point. Mm. I thought, crikey, crikey, O'Reilly, this is going to be a, um, a long slog. Mm. Um, because I really felt I felt like mainstream school was probably not going to be possible um, because of the sort of low level 
but it was all to do with the pressure. As soon as he had the shunt fitted, he sort of came back to us. It was just miraculous, really, is all I can say, really. Miraculous. And, and oh, along with that, the, and the physio, the physio and OTs in uh, Southampton, the rehabilitation um, team were amazing. I, I found out the other day, I don't know if you know this, that Roald Dahl invented the shunt. No. Yes. Um, with a friend of his, because his child had hydrocephalus and they came... Oh, I, knew it was some, I knew it was someone whose child had hydrocephalus. It's I didn't Roald know it was Roald Dahl. It, so he came up with the idea because, you know, the I, I suppose the idea that you can it's have... It's a engineering thing, isn't it? It's a what? It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an engineering solution to a problem. Yes, yes, and it's a creative engineering. The idea that you can have, you could have a tube going from inside your brain, round oh. your ear, down into your tummy is pretty bold, isn't it? Yeah. Who'd have thought it? I never realised it was Rob Dahl. No, I know. Someone told me the other day. Oh, it was my friend Tessa who lives in Folkestone here. He's an OT. Uh, I was very uh, surprised by that. Yes, interesting. Yeah, that is, that is quite amazing. It is quite amazing that that little tube, that little plastic tube, has sort of allowed his brain to work properly again. Yeah. And and so now we we wait. Uh, we see how things are tomorrow, and and then yeah, we'll... he's got his MRI tomorrow. But he's also, he's got the um, he's got dietitian. This week as well, and because he's still losing weight, but we're working on that. And you have no sense of no um, hunger, or is not it really? Done? No, no. Just he's just not hungry, and then when he does eat, he just wants a little. Um, so we're we're working on it, and he's eating all you know the way around. He's eating small amounts of high calorie foods at regular um, regular opportunities to do that. Um, which is which is you know it's fine it's you know he's not he's not um unhealthily and he's and he drinks an awful lot of fluids of water and milk so he's in terms of hydration he's he's absolutely fine um, but it's just... drinking water out that you discovered him drinking water in the bath the other day yeah <laughs> drinking his bath water i'm not sure that's advisable especially <laughs> after it had, after it had unicorn bubbles in it but <laughs> but um yeah, no, but I've discovered that he, yeah, he likes to fill up a cup and leave it to go cold. I don't know, it's all very peculiar. The things that nine-year-old boys like to do in the bath, that's very strange. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I was going to say there, but, uh, yeah, so the, the um, what was I saying before? Sorry, uh, you were saying about his diet. Oh, yeah, and then, but then on, on Friday, he's got the... Um, um ophthalmo ophthalmologist because so he's going to see this the consultant as well as a person who's going to give him an eye test because because of the hydrocephalus he's got this nystagmus and um double vision so we're just trying to see what can be done so he's probably going to need a prescription now for that which he at the moment he's just got clear a clear glass with a patch over one eye are they still the ones we got in that comedy shop in uh, no we bought, we bought others <laughs> we, we bought others they fell apart i, I think. can't believe we did that but we've got the same well what was happening he, he was they gave him some um at the ophthalmologist at southampton but they were like um sort of john lennon style glasses and you know that sort of small which are 
perfectly fine but he what he was doing was looking over the top of them he wasn't using them so he needed it's better for him to have bigger mm. and then and then consequently he was feeling sick and being sick because obviously if you've got lots of double vision and your eyes are bobbing all over the place it's you know not gonna uh, make you feel very well so um, having the bigger glasses is much better and we've had yeah. less sick since we wearing the bigger glasses so he's got his eric, yeah. eric morecambe glasses now yeah he has he's got two pairs and we've got the patches so we, we stick a new patch over every few days so it looks nice and tidy <laughs> so he's got those yeah and he like yeah he quite like so and he's still going he's got um physio twice a week so he's still going that going to that popping popping in and out of school not very many school sessions because we're a bit bit worried about covid really at the moment yeah because although uh so hi can you hear me oh, oh hi. Coming, can't remember the phone. hi kieran we're just recording a conversation we're recording a conversation feel free to come in yeah yes hang on you'll have to pause yeah you're right mum you okay mum I said I was thinking of you tomorrow. Is it all right for the MRI tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. We've um, we've got the magic cream here, so we're going to put that in his um, uh, put that on his um, hat on his back of his hands, and then we'll go to the waiting room at ten o'clock, and then his appointment's at quarter to eleven. So doctor's right. a doctor's going to come down and put his cannula in. Um, oh dear! I spoke to the uh, Robert. Are you all right, Mum? Yeah, I'm all right. I hate cannulas. You'll be all right though. And yeah. he's, he's, got the magic, he's got the magic cream, so you know. What's the magic thing? Magic cream. It's what they give to children. It numbs the area. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So she's told me the nurse has told me to put one on each back of each hand. And yeah. They've given us six actually. So we've got for the next two MRIs, we've got supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's yeah. So that's that's all. Yeah. So we've just got. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all that's going to happen. We're going to go to the. Um, the waiting room. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. I had my result. I spoke to my doctor today, and um, that yeah. stereophonic thing I had worked because it's not grown at all. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Did you hear that, Sue? Mum, that's amazing. This is so in funny timing-wise because Liz and I are recording our conversation for Normal Festival of the Brain about sam's tumor and mum's just come on the line now and mum also has a brain tumor mum and yeah. uh, so they said that so mum you went and had this experimental treatment at guys and yeah. it's worked yes unbelievable that's amazing mum yes so who am i speaking to are you, are you both <laughs> on the call at the same time yes susie's on the other phone the two phones oh, together. <laughs> I'll give you a call later. That's tremendous, Mum. That's tremendous. Okay. Gosh, what tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, it's okay. He's a bit, he's a bit nervous about it, Mum. But yeah, we, we're just yeah. sort of trying to keep it, keep it light, and and that's why. Because originally they told us we had to go to the children's ward at nine o'clock, but yeah. they would have been hanging around for hours. But this yeah, this so way, not good. no. The, I spoke to the nurse today, and she she left the stuff at the pharmacy, so I just had to go and pick it up at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, and then so we'll do that at home, and then he can just so he doesn't have to wait for an hour in the hospital, and then yeah, basically we'll arrive and we'll have forty five minutes before his appointment, so it won't be too yeah. long. They'll just come and put the cannula in, and then we'll go to his MRI. That'll be that. Yeah, yeah. good. Okay, well, thank you, Cam. Cam. 
Speak to you later. Okay. Speak to you later, Mum. Okay, bye. He was that was That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that is amazing. That is amazing, yes. Blimey. Are you going to be able to edit this conversation? No, I don't think I will. I think it's a really nice conversation. What, with me saying, do you think you should edit this conversation? No, why not? <laughs> because I'm trying not to be in any way, you know, this is just about people having conversations about whatever they want to have a conversation about and share. And I just think, you know, I suppose, okay, if we if we sort of think about, there's so much more we could talk about. If we just think about drawing it, I guess drawing our conversation to a close, what, you know, for if mm. anyone's listening, what, you know, what might sort of we want to say? I'd say, that's what I'd say, don't ignore the signs um, or the, the brain tumour signs. Uh, you can have you can have as little as one of the symptoms, as many as five or six. You know, don't ignore them, and the, the, they're all on the uh, brain tumor website. But you know, if you've got if you've got unexplained headaches, yeah, that's enough to signify that there could be something going on. If you, because you had, were under this expert because they decided these were, you know, migraines that. Sam was happen, having and well, was, we were under. No, I was under a paediatrician. Oh, sorry, paediatrician. He was a general, a general, a general practitioner. Really, you, you know, it's a yeah. Because we're on a because because they live on an island with a general hospital, you know. Yeah, but despite all of that, you know, it's um, it's it's interesting because obviously our our doctors and nurses are incredible. Yeah, they are human beings as well, and um, and you know, you had to push for. You knew there was something going on when, you know, you were being told there wasn't. Um, yeah, I think I think that's. But I think that's what happens with lots of people, doesn't it? And you have your instinct. Instinctually, you know that there's something wrong, and you need to keep pushing. Yeah, make sure you push for an answer. It's really, it's really very difficult. It's always, it's also very difficult about brain tumors because brain tumor research is really, in terms of, um, you know, the charitable organisations, um, it is really, uh, even though it is a, a cancer, it's not brain tumors are a cancer. They're not um, as, as as sort of the 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 um, or the charitable organisations are not as well funded and and. Um, as as the sort of standard cancer charities, um, and, they, and therefore there's less, less money going into research for. Do you mean gen, general cancers are divvied up amongst other cancers that don't include brain? So, yeah, tumor. yeah, and so there's, so you've got brain tumor, but I mean I suppose you do have other things that you like. You might have a leukemia charity or whatever, but but what 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 I mean is that that, that because there's less because there's less of this fund rate or funds available for brain tumor research there's more you know that the um brain tumors are incredibly common and actually the amount of um people i've come into contact with who um you know have had to sort of fight to get some sort of diagnosis i think it's really um you know and obviously like all these things the earlier you catch it the better but unfortunately um brain tumors there is no cure for brain tumors you know this is the this is the the real problem with it you know obviously um, there's sort of uh, we're on the dawn aren't we of, of many 
cures for cancers but for brain tumors it's it's there isn't a cure you know it is it is very very difficult so um i mean sam's we're very lucky we feel like we're very lucky because sam's tumor um was classed as a, as a grade one which is the the sort of lowest um, i think there's one below um, the type of tumor he has that's uh, um that is that is uh sort of less uh, or more benign than the tumor he has but but still it's um you know there is there is possibilities that you know there, there are you know he's he's only nine he's going to be monitored for 10 years and then when he get, becomes an adult he'll st- st- continue to have mris every three years so you know there, there obviously there is a chance that it can come back and he's you know going to have this this monitoring but it's you know just yeah the, the research into brain tumors needs to be extended really obviously in order to yeah and it's interesting because i think i always in my head or this is so ignorant of me what i'm about to say um liz you're going to think i'm an idiot but like oh. his tumor to be that big and be grade one i think it is what's also astonishing for me obviously it's not about side it's about about size it's about all sorts of things but you know it's it's sort of it, that was well, that yeah. like an absolute miracle wasn't it yeah but the fact is it's it wasn't one tumor that's i suppose that's the yes. difference yeah so what he's had or what he's got what he's had is called is called an uh pilocytic astrocytoma so it's lots of star-shaped cells apparently um but they're small they're sort of there were sort of lots of bobbly uh, from, from looked like from the MRI, lots of sort of little bobbly tumours all stuck together to create one big tumour. Um, so it's like an uneven edged thing. Yes, and there we go. So, um, yeah, and um, I guess I just want to finish it by just, you know, it's, um, I love you very much. Oh, I love you too. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we'll end this now, shall we? Maybe we'll have another conversation in the new year. Yeah, I think we might need to edit it a bit, though. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Zuzanna and Liz here. We'd love to hear your reflections on the conversation that you just heard. For me, I really valued that it was kind of a space for Zuzanna to slow down because as she mentioned in the conversation, I so often see her in work mode. And I think this was a much more personal mode that we were kind of allowed a a glimpse into. Um, This conversation made me think a lot about how, how do conversations change when you know that they're going to be observed? Um, and what I really loved hearing was the moments of intimacy and the moments of naturalness that came out of this conversation. It was really vulnerable um, and really, really tender. Um, I feel like it's not, <laughs> it's not really my place to comment on it very much, but I really valued the opportunity to hear it. How about you, Olivia? I, I, I agree completely, Ray. Um, and I guess I loved hearing 
all of the different generations and different relationships Mm. that they had with one another within the same conversation um and some sometimes that was about you know the technical issues but on the other end it was about this life-changing situation that has happened to the to them all um and Mm. i think there, there was something really special about hearing that um you know there was there was moments of of sisterhood being shown of parenthood um and it also, I think, allows us as adults um, to take inspiration from people like Sam. Um, mm. And children are quite magical, I think. Um, and we can learn a lot from them. And also, I think this conversation kind of holds testament to the strength that also is shown. I think the strength is shown through just the, the situation trying to be portrayed as ordinary and 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 sometimes yeah. Yeah. funny. I I think that everybody can relate to that and trying to get through and get by. Um, we all have our individual ways of doing it. Um, so yeah, I I would love to listen to it again, and I could listen to it again. Yeah, me too. It, it further to what you were saying, it made me think a lot about like. The resilience of humans and the resilience of our brains as well like how they can be crushed and how they can sort of grow come back and how they can sort of bring you back as yourself once they have room to sort of exist again i don't know there was something really hopeful and beautiful about hearing it even though it's such a such a hard and awful illness to be subject to yeah it was um it kind of showed the power of the individual brain but also the collective brain and when those brains come together i think that humans can do anything when when those situations arise as this conversation series continues we'd love to hear from you about your responses to what you've heard or your own conversations that you'd like to share If you're interested in sharing a conversation between you and someone else, we'd love to give it a place on our feed. Get in touch at normal at livingwords.org.uk, which you'll be sure to put in the episode description. Whether you have a comment about what you just heard, an idea that sprouted from listening, a conversation you'd like to hear happen, or a conversation of your own to submit, we'd love to hear from you. Shout out to the wonderful Anil Sebastian for letting us feature his music. Make sure to check out his awesome work and portfolio over at anilsebastian.com. We'll be back with our next conversation very soon. Stay tuned on social media, subscribe to Normal Conversations on your app of choice, or check the Normal Fest website to know when the next one's coming up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>